Good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. So happy that you decided to join me today for the show. I want to remind everyone that Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit community organization. That being said, we rely on your donations to continue broadcasting. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, click on the donate button, give what you can, We thank you for your support. So now, today, I'm going to, I was going to change up the format of the show a little bit because of everything that had been happening in the world. And I was thinking about making this show a complete show of op-ed because there's that much going on in the news to discuss. And I was just trying to figure out, would I be able to get through everything in just a half hour's time? But you know what? God tapped me on my shoulder and reminded me that regardless of what's happening in the world, his word comes first. So with that, we're going to have our normal format for the show. I'll do my little teaching in the beginning and then we'll have our music break and then we'll have op-ed. So now, last week... I touched upon how important guarding our hearts is. And if you're new to What Would Kay Say, you can find my previous shows on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com or on Spotify and iTunes. So now anyone that listened to the show last week, you might recall that when I was teaching about mind, body, and spirit, or as I put it, body, mind, and spirit, I mentioned problem. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Right? So today, this is what our topic is going to be about. Our heart and the way which we can guard it. Now, this past week, I was asked, to write an article and when I was asked to write the article I had considered writing about several different topics right but I settled upon writing about the heart now there's no coincidence with that right we know that God was preparing me not only from when he gave me the segue from last week but now to have someone come and at or request an article from me And my first mind is to think to write about the heart. It just leads right back into this um, conversation that we're going to have today. So let's talk about the heart. The heart. Let's see. Where can we start? All right. Let's start with the physical. The physical heart is that pumping, thumping, muscular organ located in our chest that reminds us that we are alive. It reminds us when we're afraid, it beats uncontrollably. It notifies us when we are excited by feeling like it's skipping a beat, right? Have you ever had your heart feel like it skipped a beat? It was beating so fast, it just actually skipped the beat. And it awakens our emotion when it is harmed or hurt so now 
let's we get let's begin this topic let's begin this conversation where the heart is um let's think of the heart as being part of the spirit soul section of the trio body mind and spirit right if we had to pick one of the if we, okay going back to the trio that we talked about the human trinity last week which was body mind spirit if we wanted to know which part of body mind spirit the heart fell into the heart actually falls into all of them but for today's purposes we're going to take the part where the heart resides in the spirit and the soul right and i say spirit and soul because oftentimes people use those words spirit and soul interchangeably because they have similar characteristics and in order to fully understand the heart, we would have to understand both the spirit and the soul. So now we know that the spirit, let's take the spirit first, okay? Let's take the spirit because we, we talked about the spirit last week so we could bring it back again. We know that the spirit is the non-physical part of a person that holds all of our emotions and our character, right? So when we say all of our emotions, we mean everything run the gamut, run, crying, feeling sad, feeling happy, feeling anxious, feeling annoyed, any feeling, anything that's an emotional feeling. That's what has, that's what our spirit is. That's where all those, all those feelings are housed in our spirit. So since we have an understanding of what the spirit is, but we didn't touch upon the soul last week, I'd like to, I'd like to define now today what the soul is. So let's think about it. What is exactly, what exactly is the soul? Okay. Now the Bible never mentions, let me just put it this way. Then the Bible never states what the soul is. It mentions the soul on several occasions, but it never gives an exact definition of what the soul is. But we know that it was created by God, right? Because we know that God created all things. So if there's a soul that exists here on earth today, God created it. Just like he created the heavens and he created the earth and he created man and he created the animals if there's a soul that exists, God created it, especially if it's a part of us. He definitely created it. So when we think about um, the soul, we see that our first introduction to even the word soul in the Bible was in Genesis 19.20. And it was actually spoken by Lot because Lot at that time was speaking to an angel concerning the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm sure you guys remember that story, but here's the verse where we first see the mention of a soul. This is Genesis 1920. And as you know, everything that I'm going to be reading today is going to be coming from the new King James version. See now this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. Now that was Genesis 19 to 20. And Lot was actually, 
asking, he was pleading with the, um, with the angel to let him escape from Sodom and Gomorrah, let him leave from Sodom and Gomorrah that he had another place that he could go to. And then the angel granted him his desire. He said, yes, I'm going to let you go with your family. And as soon as Lot was safely away from Sodom, because that's where he lived with his family, the angel then destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But you can find that story in Genesis 19. Um, so now we under we get in a little understanding about what Lot was talking about when he said, and my soul shall live. So meaning he was saying, if you let me go to this new place, you could destroy whatever you have to do, but at least I'll be able to go on. Right. But the scripture does not specifically say what our soul is, but it was most likely it was acting. It was like a spirit. So Lot was referring, referring to his soul, like referring to his spirit. Okay. So in order to fully understand the heart and its purpose, we must define what it was created to do. Now, we already know that the heart holds the emotions. We know the spirits hold the, the spirit holds the emotions. And now if the heart is part of the spirit and soul, we know that the heart also holds emotions. So now to fully understand the heart and its purpose, we have to define what it was created to do. So when we think about the heart, the main purpose of our heart is to love, right? God intended our hearts to love, not him, not only him, not only love and worship him, but love others as well. And we see that from Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Then one of them a lawyer asked him a question. He's like asking Jesus a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love your God with your, all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like, it as well. Well, I put that as well. Actually, it says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus was saying the most important commandments. If when I've come back to fulfill the law, the most important commandments are you need to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So now, when we think about that, our heart is a loving organ. It was created by God for us to love him. And if we think about, if we take the part that the heart is part of the spirit, Okay, I'm trying to put this in a sense that it makes sense where we can put it all together. We know that the heart was created so that we could love God and it houses all of our emotions as well. And the purpose of our spirit was to communicate with God. If we had to break down, like we broke down body, mind, and spirit, if we had to break down 
the heart, the spirit, and soul as we did before. And they each have a part to play in us being in this body that we have. Our heart is the loving part. The spirit is the communication with God. Because we know that through the Holy Spirit, he, the comforter, Jesus said he was going to send the comforter for us when he left. And we know that we, we get from the, the Holy Spirit all truth. He leads us into all truth and brings back to our remembrance all the words that God has said. So now, if that's what he does, then we know that that's our way of communicating with God. And here's a good example of that in John 4, 23 to 24. But the hour is coming and now is when the true, when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So the Lord knew that our heart was created to love and it is housed in our spirit because if we had to find that part, the part of the spirit that had the emotions, the heart is holding that part of those emotions that the spirit also shows. So now, if the heart is for love and the spirit is for communication, then what was the purpose of the soul? Because I told you, you can't, in order to truly understand the heart, you'd have to understand both the spirit and the soul. So we know that the heart is for love. The spirit is for communication. What was the soul for? So when we think about the soul, we could say that the main purpose of our soul is to express the thoughts and ways of God if we had to break it down. And we find an example of that in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord, right? That right, that scripture right there tells us that we're looking to be transformed in the same image of God. So if the heart is the love portion, the spirit is the communication portion the soul is how we express our thoughts and ways the same way God expresses his thoughts and ways, especially if we're waiting to be transformed into the same image. So to wrap it all up in a nutshell, we love with our hearts. We communicate with our spirit and we become like him, him meaning God with our souls. And this brings me back to the original scripture, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So now, if they say the issues of life come from our heart, then that means everything that's near and dear to us is housed in that organ and in order for us to 
fully understand and protect ourselves, we must learn how to guard and protect our hearts because our life would almost depend on it, right? If the issues of life spring from our heart, that means that we would need to protect our heart because everything that has to do with life is coming from there. So now, this is where I originally wanted to pick up. I wanted to talk about guarding one's heart, but I couldn't just jump straight into guarding one's heart without giving you a background of talking about the heart, talking about the spirit, talking about the soul, so that you could have a total understanding of why it is so important that we protect that part of ourselves. So I'm gonna give you seven reasons why we should guard and protect our hearts. Reason number one, or how we can guard and protect our heart. Let's put it that way, not why. We already know why. We know we, know we need to protect it because the issues of life spring from it. But I'm gonna sh- give you seven examples of how to do it. Number one, we should vet everything that comes in. Now, if you think about it, in this busy world, Everything is trying to get our attention, right? There's always a distraction somewhere going on. If it isn't something that has to do with our friends, it has to do with our work. It could be our family. It could be the news articles, the news um, articles that we're reading, that we're seeing on television, music, movies, everything. You name it, everything is always trying to get our attention. And we must discern what we allow to enter into our hearts because what we see goes into our heart. What we hear goes into our heart because it evokes emotion. When you see something on TV, like when we saw the, the killing of George Floyd, it was visual. All these things that we're seeing that are now picked up by video cameras, by news reporters, any act of violence, all these things that they go, once we see it, it goes into It goes into us and it goes into our heart because it it evokes some type of emotion. The things we hear, the conversations we have with friends and neighbors, all that stuff gets fed into us. So now in order to really guard our heart, to protect it and what we expose it to, we have to make sure that we only allow a certain amount of that negative information in at a time. And especially if our heart was created to love God, if we're allowing all those negative factors to come in, how could we have room to have love for God? How could we have room to have love for anyone? What room are we leaving for love if we allow all the negative vices to come in? So that's why number one, it's important to vet everything that comes in and we must have a discernment of what, how much information we're going to intake and allow to penetrate into our heart. Number two, we never should lose our determination even in difficult times. And now this pandemic is a classic example or is the most present example for all of us with all the challenges that it's, it's um, presented to us, right? But even though we might be 
feeling a certain way towards it, meaning depressed, a little anxious, a little uncertain. You know, we, we talked about, we talked about this in previous weeks. We've talked about all this, what people are feeling and every day is something else. Every day is something new because we're constantly hearing something, but we have to hold on to the promises of God. We have to hold on to what we know to be true. We have to keep the faith and we not, we have to not give up hope, right? Because at the end of the day, we know that God is in control and that God is going to prevail. We have to remember that this race, that this journey that we're on, we're going to keep going on it until the end. So regardless of what we hear, see in the news, in the media, in from our friends, we know that God is in control and at the end we win. So we have to hold on to our faith. We have to hold on to the hope and we need to keep feeding ourselves with all the promises that God has told us. Number three, we have to follow God's lead, right? God orders our steps. So our goal in this journey is to realize our life purpose, right? So if you think about it, we were all given different talents and gifts. So when we discover what our gift is and walk towards it in faith, we know that God is order, God is ordering all our steps. So knowing that he will complete the work that he has started in us, we just follow the lead. Even if we can't see it, because we know that we, if we're walking by faith, we're not going to see everything spilled out before us. We, he might just give us just a little glimpse of where we're going or what we should be doing, but we have to hold on to the faith and the hope. And we just have to follow everything that he says and just do it. We need to follow the leads of God because he's giving us that information in our spirit to help us complete our journey. And this is where um, reading your Bible, meditating, just fasting even sometimes, just setting aside time for God himself, this is where this becomes so important so that you're able to hear his voice. Number four, create a sense of community. Now, Hebrews 10.25 tells us, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exalting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, forsake not the assembly of yourselves. Meaning, you know, they always used to like, okay, when those of us who belong to a church community, those of us who have a church family, you know, they would always say, don't forget the assembly, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves. Like they would tell you, you need to come to church. And the reason why that is, is because a lot of times, if you're just out in the world on your own and you're trying to keep the faith, you're trying to keep hope, you are reading, you are meditating. Sometimes you still need other people around you to encourage you. Sometimes it becomes hard for you to encourage yourself, even though at times that's the one, that's what we're doing the most. We're encouraging ourselves because we're with ourselves the most. But when you get around other people who have a like mind, who have an understanding of what it is that you're possibly going through, 
it makes it that much easier to hold on because they can encourage you. They can remind you because, you know, sometimes the devil is always going to block out the blessings that we have and we forget. We forget what God did for us yesterday because we're so busy looking at the problem that we have before us today. But when you have that person that you know might have experienced it with you or even just could tell you a scripture that could just fill your heart at the moment, when you get around people who have a like mind like you, that's where that community comes from. And it doesn't always have to be in a church setting. It doesn't have to be. In a church house, in the brick and mortar building, it was always easier to get it that way because you know once you walked into the building, you would be there with the other saints. But even sometimes if you just have that friend that you know you can just call on the phone that can give you encouragement or just send you that that prayer or just pray with you sometimes or just say that one little word that just gives your spirit a little glimmer of hope, that's what helps. So... We're all part of the body of Christ and we all have a part that we play, which make, which sets it up so that we all need one another at times to share love and to receive love. And that's what keeps our hearts going. Number five, set boundaries. This is so important. It's so important just in life in general, if you don't set boundaries, it's like then everything could just run amok, right? So when you set a boundary, it actually sets limitations of how you deal with people and situations and how people deal with you. Never allow yourself to be placed in a position that will compromise your moral, your moral consciousness. Like if you have a, like, it's just, and a lot of people don't have boundaries. A lot of people just, whatever happens, happens haphazardly. They just roll through life. In all situations, you need to set boundaries. So people know that not to cross certain lines, not to say certain, like being in, in the presence of people who constantly want to tell racial jokes or being in the, the presence of people who constantly want to tell sexist jokes. If you've set boundaries ahead of time, they'll know, although they might want to do it amongst themselves, when you come around, they'll know, uh-uh, this is not the individual to do this and uh, do this around because they don't allow that. They don't condone that. So setting boundaries is so important. The next one is be still. Now, be still. That means just stop sometime. Sometimes we need to just stop and just take a seat because we're constantly looking to do something else. Looking, that's where all this anxiety is coming from when we were in the lockdown or when all the stores were closed and we couldn't go out and we couldn't go to restaurants or go to the gym or because we our society is so used to constantly going, going, going. And if you're not going, 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 or producing that next best thing, you look like you look towards as being a failure. But sometimes we just got to stop and take a rest. God took a rest when he created the heavens and earth. He took a rest on that seventh day. He took a rest. So if the Lord himself took a rest, 
it's definitely okay for us to take a rest. So when we take that rest, it allows us to hear the voice of God so that we know what our next steps are. Like when we, when I said earlier, follow the steps of, you know, follow the Lord's lead, follow God's lead. You're not going to be able to hear if somebody's leading you or directing you to go somewhere. If you're constantly moving, how could you hear what they're saying? So sometimes you have to step back, take a rest, be still and embrace the peace that it brings by just sitting still. And last but not least, we have to keep motivated, right? And we do this by reciting the promises of God to ourselves. Sometimes you just have to look in the mirror. Like remember I said in the beginning when we started our journey to take a scripture and just that the scripture that matters so much to you at that particular time that it can minister to you. Sometimes we just have to take a scripture and just recite it to ourselves over and over and over until we get the complete understanding, until we let that scripture take hold and take root in our heart and we understand what's going on, what he's trying to tell us in that scripture. And that keeps us motivated. So we remind our spirit that God has sent Jesus to redeem us even when we fall short because we know we're human. So no matter how much meditation, how much faith, how much hope we try to hold on to, we are all going to fall short in some area. But we must remember that God is a merciful God. And he knows that we will and can be tempted. But when we repent, we can also be forgiven because he, God is real, right? He's in control of everything and every word that he has spoken will come to pass in our lives. So that feeds our hearts and stimulates our minds as well. When we just remember the whole reason why Jesus came to know that, okay, yeah, we may stumble and fall, but the fact that we have Jesus there who died on the cross for us, it gives us that, that, that surge, that energy, that, that, that one thing to hold on to. So that feeds us and stimulates us in everything that we do. So that helps keeps us, that helps to keep us motivated regardless of what's happening, like with this whole pandemic, being anxious, being uncertain, being afraid, it motivates us when we just know, you know what, if I just be still, if I just keep telling myself the promise, if I just keep holding on in faith and going forward, it motivates you. It motivates you to go that extra, that extra step when you think you can't make that step anymore. So that's what I have for the heart. That's what I have for the steps that we can do to guard our heart because it is so important and it is so precious and our hearts can be broken so easily. So we have to, we have to guard it and protect it because if we don't protect it, who's going to protect it? Who's really going to protect it? We have to look out for ourselves, right? So I trust that this information will assist you in knowing how and why our heart functions as it does and what we can do to protect it. 
And I just want to remind everyone that you've been listening to What Would Kay Say on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I think right now it's about time we take our little music, our little music break. And when we return, we will go into op-ed. Once you know, you cannot know. Do you know about the black ego? Let me tell you about the black ego. Strong and powerful, king of the sky, protecting all things with his watchful eyes. listening to What Would Kay Say? And I am Kay Edwards here on Radio Free Brooklyn. So now let's go into op-ed. Where do we even begin, right? But I'm going to keep it on my favorite topic, voting, because that is the number one topic to me right now. That is, that seems to be 
for the moment, until November 3rd has passed, my life's purpose to get people out to vote. So now let's go back. We had, before the primaries, before the Democratic primaries took place, we had our POTUS talking about mail voting fraud or voter mail fraud. He was trying to make the case that if people were allowed to vote by mail, then you would have more people voting illegally, thus tainting the election, right? That's what his story was in the beginning. So now fast forward. When that didn't fly, when no one wanted to believe that because it's not true. And then we have the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, the, the, the entity of the government, the part of the government that would have been control of letting us know what was going on with this pandemic had they not been dismantled or silenced, actually, because they can't say a word. Anything they say, it's squashed. It's, it's one of those emails that goes to the bottom of the pile. You know how that works, right? They recommended that mail ballots be used so that in order to stop the spread of the coronavirus, because we know that gatherings, too many people gathering in one space helps to spread it. So in order to keep a lid on this coronavirus that we we are still in the midst of a pandemic. Let us, let us not remember that, people. They said it would be best for us to mail our ballots in. So once the president couldn't get everyone on board with the voter fraud that would come from people mailing in ballots, he has appointed a postmaster general, who is a Republican, to now go into the post office and literally dismantle the whole organization. And it was brought to the attention of the American people by the postal workers themselves. Kudos, big up to the postal workers of America that saw that what was happening was an injustice and it should not go on any longer. From what I understand, they've been rounding up mailboxes. And although they're saying, you know, it's routine, we normally round up mailboxes to do maintenance or whatever. You want to do this now? You could have done this in the beginning of the year. But you want to round up mailboxes now so that it takes the mailboxes out of the areas that would be housing these mail-in ballots that we're now able to do. And they've also been breaking down, from what I understand, the sorting machines within the post offices that direct the, the mail to go to whichever zone that it's supposed to go to. We have machines that do that because you know how 
in the industrial revolution, everything became automated because we needed to do it that way because it was more efficient. But now we don't want it to be as efficient as we know it to be. So we're just going to dismantle these machines so that now people have to go back to sorting the mail by hand. And in order to remove all blame from himself, Mr. Louis DeJoy, which is his name, he sent out warning letters to the states saying that the United States Postal Service could not guarantee that all ballots that were that would be cast by mail for the November 3rd election would arrive on time to be counted, even if the ballots were mailed by the state's deadline. So in other words, he's saying, even if you get that ballot in the box on time, first of all, if you can find a box to place it in, then when we receive it at your post office and we have to now break it down and sort it to give it to whom, whatever zoning district is where they count up the ballots, we can't guarantee that it's going to be counted on time. Yeah. Although it's in your right to do so. So now with that, since we know that our POTUS is trying to, and I don't want to say this because I don't want to say what someone's trying to do or is doing. It appears allegedly air quotes that someone's trying to sabotage or taint the election perhaps but you know what that means we have to do people we've just we just this week passed celebrated 100 years of women having the right to vote we know for the civil rights movement people have marched people have been beaten for the right to vote right? We know that the right to vote is so important that they would redraw lines in a district to make people have to go miles out of their way where they used to go maybe two blocks down or two, two roads down to cast a vote. They redraw lines so that now their polling stations may be 10 to 15, sometimes even 20 miles away for them to cast that vote. So now I ask to you, I, I, I put this question to you. If voting wasn't that important, if voting was no big deal, if voting really, really didn't matter, why are people going to such great lengths to stop you from doing something that doesn't matter. Think about it. All of you who are on the side, who are sitting on the fence, as we say, who can't make up your mind because I don't really like any of the candidates because I don't like this one because he said this back in 1957 and then I don't like this one because, you know what people? I can't tell you who to vote for. No, I cannot do that. Everyone has a right to vote for whom they please. But what I can tell you is 
vote for somebody. And don't just vote for anybody. Vote for the two candidates that are up there to be chosen. Don't just say, oh, well, since I can vote for anybody, I'm going to put Mickey Mouse on my ballot and cast a vote. I voted. Mickey Mouse is not in the running, okay? Well, maybe he is, but literally Mickey Mouse is not in the running. You have two candidates. You have our POTUS and you have Biden. You might not like either one of them. And I totally understand if you don't. But you have one that's sitting in the office right now and you can see clearly what he is doing. Clearly. I don't care how you try to dance around it, skirt around it, excuse it, turn a blind eye. You see what is happening. Starting from a border wall, starting to him pardoning his friends, starting with the whole pandemic, starting with not wanting to aid states when people were getting sick, especially New York, and we were the epicenter, starting with withholding masks that you had stocked up in the, in the federal government, and you knew people needed these things, started with not giving the correct information on how the virus is spread, starting with shutting down the center of disease control, which could then have given the American people the ammunition we needed to protect ourselves, to possibly save more lives than not. If someone's going to that extent to stop you from casting a vote, you need to think about how important that is. So now there, I told you who's in office. I've told you just a, what I gave you was just not even icing on cake. It was the smell of a cake burning. Okay. I mean, not burning. Yeah, it's burning, but it was the smell of a cake being baked, right? We haven't even gotten the cake out the oven, let it cool, iced it to even say the cherry on top. We haven't even gotten to that yet because I'm sure between now and November 3rd, there's going to be something else that this cake is still being constructed. Okay. So right now we smelling the cake. They've already been mixing it. Now it's in the oven. It's baking. The next person that we have is Joe Biden. And like I said, you might not like either one of them, but out of the two choices, pick the one that not just a benefits you personally, because it's not just you here in this country. It's all of us pick the one who's going to benefit everyone collectively. Even if you don't like them, what do they say? Better, you know, you pick the lesser of two evils, right? If you want to look at them as both being evil, it's up to you. However you want to put them, whatever basket you want to put them in, make the choice as to who's going to help the country overall, because you've already seen what one person is doing with the country, right? So that's why voting is so important. And if we, and now since we know this is happening, right, we already know that they're stopping, they're, they're putting into motion the obstacles that can stop people from voting and casting their vote with mail ballots, mailing in their ballots, that would lead us to, as people, 
as Christians, now I'm going back into that. You know, you always want to say that the good Lord made us all one. So we need to just be nice to one another. Okay. You want to have that kumbaya moment, have the kumbaya moment now and go get your neighbor and go get that person across the street or whomever that you need to take to that voting poll to cast their vote. Okay. That's how you can show that you are looking out for the welfare of your fellow Americans because it's so important that we vote. We need to go. Those who aren't able to go on their own, give them a lift. Wear your mask. Okay. You wear your mask. You walk around with your sanitizer, you social distance churches right now should be thinking about how they could get bus loads to take people to the polling sites so that they can cast their vote churches right now, since you can't have a, you don't have a congregation sitting there. So it's not like, as if you got all these funds, Oh, we gotta, we gotta raise, we got a charity for the building funnel. Oh, we raising for the missionaries. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody's traveling anywhere. Nobody's doing nothing. Churches right now need to be organizing how they can get their parishioners to the polling stations to cast their votes. That's what you should be sitting down strategizing about. Okay. That's what we need to be doing. Everyone needs to think about how they can help the next person get to the poll to cast their votes, because this is so important. So important. Now I'm saying that on the surface level where we see, right? I'm saying that for the natural in the natural, we need to vote. Now, with that being said, let's get this done. People it's more, it is imperative that we get out there and cast this vote. We cannot allow them to put things in place that is going to stop us from doing our civic duties. And now remember our word of the month. And this is why he gave us this word of the month for August, because God knew all this stuff was going to be coming about. And remember what our word of the month is reform. And if you need the definition again, I'm going to give it to you. Make changes in something typically social, political, or economic in order to improve it. There you have it. The entire month, our word has been reformed. So let's keep that in mind. Let's know what we, let's, let's do what we have to do. Let's do what we have to do. Everybody that was out there protesting for black lives matter. We love it. We appreciate it. But now all of you young people and everybody that went out there, now you need to protest and go to those polls, get people to those polls, go stand on those lines. It doesn't matter how long you have to stand, pack a lunch. The same way you stand online for those Jordans when they're coming out, the same way you stand online for that iPhone when it's about to come out, the same way you stand online for that Popeye's chicken sandwich. Now I'm really, yes, I'm getting very ethnic here, but it's not just that the way you stand online for anything, the way you stand online for anything that matters to you, this vote should matter to you. And it looks like my time is running out. And I just want to say, God bless everyone. 
Be safe. Wear your mask when you go out. Oh, here's our promise. Our promise is going to be from Isaiah 58, 9 this week. And it says, then shall thou call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. So with that, I want everyone to be blessed. I want everybody to be a blessing to one another. I want everybody to take care of one another. Wear your mask, use your sanitizer, wash your hands, social distance. And until God brings us back again next week, peace. This is so heavy. And it's bringing me to my knees. And I'm crying out, Lord, I need you now to come and see about me. And why is this life so hard? And why do you seem so far?